Well, good morning, church. How y'all doing? Beautiful faces. I love it. You guys are crazy in worship, so don't you get tired and quiet on me now, okay? Okay? The, the, the louder and the more energetic you guys are, the faster I'll preach, okay? I promise. No, I'm just kidding. But hey, welcome to you, those who are, yeah, it started going up. Those of you watching us online this morning, thank you for being in, uh, in our chat. Just type it in the chat. Let us know that you're watching. Uh, and hey, we believe that it's by no accident that you came across this feed this morning. It may have just popped up on your screen, your Facebook or your YouTube, but God has a message for you today. And we're excited for you get to, to get to be a part of our family today. Thank you all for being here. We're excited. Hey, so we're week two of our series called Storyline. Week two of our series called Storyline. When I was thinking about this, this series name, I had this thought in my mind of like this, this straight line story, right? Like it's just from point A to point B, it's just like this straight story in life. Anybody ever lived a straight story? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Me neither. Me neither. There, there's twists. There's turns. There's sudden drops. There's, there's wrong turns we make sometimes, right? Even Maybe we turn down a wrong way street at times. And so we, we start off in life and, and we expect life to be this like straight arrow. We're just going to you know, go from point A. It's like this. We're just going to have this straight arrow. But more often than not, our life end up, ends up looking something like this, doesn't it? If we're honest, that's what it looks like. But there's good news today because you and I, we were never really meant to live a straight line life. Think about it. If we're following God, <laughs> he takes us through some twists and turns in our story, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And so if we're following God, we may realize that God doesn't reveal every step of the way as we go, right? And so there's some twists and there's some turns in our story. Anybody seen uh, this new show on Netflix called The Pirate Gold of Adak Island? Let's go. There was anybody else? She saw it. She's excited. There was like two people in the last service that saw it too. Y'all are missing out. Like this is all, so it's like 18, early 1800s, this pirate, he had this like $300 million in, in, uh, in currency, at least that's its value today, of these gold coins. And he hit them all throughout the uh, Adak Islands, which is, uh, Adak Island, which is the Aleutian Island chain off of Alaska. And this show, I shouldn't tell you this, but I binged watch it in a day. Like from start, you too, yes, yes. I kept apologizing to my wife. I'm like, I'm sorry, we're watching another one. This is too good. It was such a good show, but, but you know, it's, it's out there and they're, and they're looking for this gold and um, they, they come across this, this, um, this like foundation and, and they make this comment about how, oh, well, this obviously is man-made because nature doesn't make anything that goes in a straight line. Right? Find a straight line in nature. Nature doesn't make anything in a straight line. And so this idea that we've been programmed with of a straight line life, that's a man-made concept. Oh, that's, so good. that's a man-made concept. That's not God's way that he intends for us to live our life. And did you know this? You know that it's actually impossible for us as humans to walk a straight line? If you blindfolded me and, I, and said, just walk a straight line, before... Uh, long, I'd start walking in a circle because one of my legs is probably longer than the other, or I take a longer stride with one than the other. So this idea of a straight line life, it's just not practical in our life. Last week, Pastor Jordan kicked off our series with uh, this idea. And if you haven't seen it, uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can go to the Gathering AZ. But he said this, he said, everyone has a story and your story matters. 
Everybody has a story and your story matters. Each and every one of us has a story that we're responsible for in our life, responsible for telling others our story in our life. And he also said that, you know, there's parts of our story, right? Parts of all of our stories that maybe, maybe we don't want to tell that part of the story, tell everything else. But this part, I just want to mark through that. And he challenged us to highlight that part of our story, not, not to highlight maybe a sin or, or, or disobedience, but to, but to highlight what God did through that part of your story, the grace, the restoration, the redemption in your story to highlight, not just be willing to talk about that, but be willing to highlight that to highlight God's presence in our story. That's, that's the title of the message today is presence is power. Presence is power. Revelation twelve eleven says this. I love this verse. It says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Now we know that there's power in the blood. Amen. Yeah. Power, power, wonder working power in the, come on, don't leave me up here, of the lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Yeah, come on. Listen, I grew up in a, in a like, backwood Bible church. Yeah, we had, like, Bible thumping, hankies waving, running up and down the aisles, okay? We, we would get that going. We'd get that going, like, for a half an hour, and then we'd hit it with a key change, and, like, the roof would blow off the place. Like that's, that, that, that was like the original rattle, you know, like we sing rattle, like that was like the original rattle, but there's power in the blood. We know that there's power in the blood, but somebody needs to hear today that there is power in your story. There is power in your story and in mine today. And the only reason that you and I have a testimony in our life is because his presence in our story. And there is power in his presence in your story and in mine today. Whew. Turn to John chapter 15. We're going to read through Jesus's words, how he is present in our lives today. John chapter 15, verse one, it says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Let's pray. God, thank you for your words. Jesus, thank you for your words here that, that tells us how there is power in the presence of Jesus in our life. If we can stay attached to the vine, we will live the fruitful life that you've called us to. God, today, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, presence is power. Point number one is this. Jesus is the true vine. 
I tried to get catchy with it. I tried to make it rhyme. God just said, give him truth. <laughs> Jesus is the true vine. John 15, one, it says, I am the true vine. Jesus says that. Now he's not using a new metaphor here. This would have been understood, this, this picture of the vine and the branches, this would have been understood by the disciples. You see, in, in Old Testament time, the, the, the vine was used to represent God's chosen people, the Israelites. In fact, in Psalm 80, uh, eight through nine, it says this, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and it caused it to take deep root and it filled the land. That vine he's talking about is his chosen people, the Israelites. But Jesus is here in this moment saying, I'm here to establish a new covenant and I am the true vine. It's no longer Israel that you're, that you're going to be connected to God through. You're going to be connected to God through me. I am the true vine. In front of the temple, uh, the, the, over the four uh, pillars of the temple, there was this golden vine that would uh, just kind of swag around and just was hooped over uh, the temple. And, and as a family, you could actually purchase a leaf. You could purchase a golden leaf. You could inscribe it with your family name and, and you could donate it to the temple and they would, they would attach it to the vine. And so th- th- this, this picture of, of the vine and the branches was symbolic throughout their World, But Jesus is making a definitive statement here saying, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And, he, and he's likely saying this during the Last Supper, the, the night before he was betrayed and arrested and eventually crucified. So this is one of the last things he wanted to say to his disciples while he was on this earth. So imagine for a moment, you know that you're leaving, you're going away. What would be something that you would want to say to those who you loved. For Jesus, one of those things was, I am the true vine. But let's face it, we're not, we're not in this Bible time. We're reading it in, what year is it, 2022? We're reading it in 2022. We're not, we're not trying to, to reconcile, is Jesus the true vine or is it, is it Israel? We're not, we're not asking those questions today. So, so what is Jesus' words here in John 15 saying today for you and I? Well, I think this, I think that if Jesus is saying that he is the true vine, then I believe that by definition, there must be some false vines in our life. There might be some false vines in our life. What what do those false vines look like? For everybody, it's different, but it can be money. It can be money. You know, we might not have a golden vine out there that you can write, you know, write your name on and go attach it to, but there's, there's a name on your bank account in there. And that, listen, that's not a bad thing. But if that's what's feeding you, I mean, if that's the main vine, if that's the vine of your life that's, that's giving you everything in life, that can be a false vine in your life. It can be status. That's a big one. Position and power. That can be a false vine in your life. It might be your education. Maybe you're just too smart for God. You know, God can use your education, but sometimes the most intelligent people just can't understand the wisdom of God. I've told you before, I have a family member who once told me, my goal is to die with as many letters behind my name, meaning all the different degrees that they had stacked up in their life. And not that that's a bad thing, but man, what, what a false vine that could become if we allow that to feed us night and day. It could be our job. It could be the busyness of our life, our schedule. We just gotta stay busy. 
That could be a false vine. And how many know that if, if Satan can't kill you, he'll just keep you busy? He'll just keep you busy. It could be your popularity. It could be your relationships, who you know. That's a false vine in your life. It could be if we allow it to be. It could be material possessions, a house, a car, RV, boats, clothes, who knows? I think this is a big one. How about self? Ooh, that can be a false vine. I'm good enough to do this by myself. I don't need God in my life. That's a false vine. I'll just stay connected to myself because I've got all these skills that I've amassed throughout my life and I can do it on my own and your pride and your ego begins to set in and you take self and you place it over God in your life and it becomes this false vine. And friends, there's more, but all these false vines in our life, all these false vines in the world exist because in Genesis chapter three, this jerk called the serpent comes onto the scene. And he brings sin, this opportunity for sin to come into the world. And so he's, he's been tempting since Genesis chapter three with all these false finds. Right. Scripture calls him a tempter, a spoiler, a destroyer, a son of wickedness, an accuser, an adversary, a beast, Beelzebub, a liar, a prince of darkness, a dragon, a prince of this world, devil, Satan, and Lucifer, among others. Does that sound like anybody that we want to attach ourselves to? Come on. Thank you. (laughs) But that's what we do. And here's the thing. Satan is here to steal, kill, and destroy any opportunity you and I have of living a fruitful life. That's his main goal. You see, some time ago in eternity, Lucifer, who is this beautiful angel, beautiful angel. He had position. He had power. He had influence. He was gorgeous. Every angel hair was plucked to perfection, I guess. I don't know. Everybody loved him. They wanted to be around him. Everybody had his number. I mean, his little black book, like all the angels' numbers were in there. And he began to, what? Get impressed by himself. Ooh, I'm good. I'm really good. I might be better than this guy over here. And he led a rebellion in heaven against God. And because of that, he was cast out of heaven and took a third of the angels with him. That's what happened. That's what he does. And so don't think for a moment that he won't do everything in his power to fight for your life and to fight for mine today as well. And here's the thing. We got 66 books from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I'm here to tell you in Revelation chapter 20, he's thrown into the lake of fire forever and he will be tormented for all eternity. Come on. So we know he's defeated, but we're here in the middle and we have to realize that there is a real battle for our lives each and every day. There is a spiritual battle for your life and for mine because he just wants to steal that fruit. He doesn't want you to live a a fruitful life for Jesus. And the Bible makes it clear that as the end of days approach, he's just gonna lay down and go to sleep. (laughs) No, he's gonna ramp it up. All the tactics that he has in his playbook, man, he's going all the way back. He's got his trick plays. He's got his special plays. He's got that one he knows he's going to make a touchdown on. That's what he's going to do. He's going to ramp it up and do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why I love today. We had our family life team up here and we had the baby dedication because think about it. If, if, you, if you were the enemy, if you could cut off that next generation, you could, you could wipe out the church. That is his, you're talking about a fruitful life. That's his low-hanging fruit, is that next generation. 
that next generation. And that's why we serve in our kids' ministries and we, we set up and we tear down and that's why we make ourselves available because they need to know that Jesus is the true vine. They need to know that Jesus is the true vine because in this world, there's more and more and more and more and more vines every day that they can attach themselves to. They need to know that the false vine is the enemy. And they need to know those things. And you say, well, I don't really know that much about the Bible. I don't know all these stories. I don't know how to deal with kids. You have a story. And it can be used to change their lives, friends. They need to know that Jesus is here to give life and life more abundantly. So what, what is the false vine in your life? I, I know some of the false vines in my life that I've, I've reached for, but, but think about it. Don't shout them out. I mean, if you want to, fine, but don't shout them out. Uh, what, what are those false vines that you know in my life, man? That's the false vine that I'm reaching for. That's the one that I go to. Because if we're honest, we, we all have some part of our life that we haven't fully released to God. There's some part where God, you can have all of this, but there's this little part over here where I just can't trust you yet. And so what is that false vine in your life? You know, I don't. Friends, I want to say this. We need to resist the false vines in our life. We need to resist the false vines. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He says, submit yourself to God, stay attached to the vine, and then resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. Resist the false vines in our life. But honestly, some of us today, we may feel like Tarzan just swinging through the jungle from one false vine to the next false vine, looking for the next false vine, looking for the next false vine in our life. And we, we never get filled up. We, we just feel empty. And we wonder why, because it's these false vines in our life. We're not attached to the true vine in Jesus Christ. So James says, submit and resist. Jesus is the true vine and there is power in his presence in our lives. Amen? Amen. All right. Point number two is this. Our story should be fruitful. Our story should be fruitful. We, we should look at our story and, and people should look at our story of our life and they should see the fruit. That's the point of our story. In fact, Genesis 1.28 on the first page of the Bible, not even on page two, on the first page of the Bible, God says, be fruitful and multiply. He's not just talking about having kids. He's just saying live a fruitful life. And so here's this idea of, of, of Jesus being the true vine. And, and there in the middle, we're, we're the branches. And when the branches are connected to Jesus, the true vine, the Holy Spirit begins to produce this fruit in our life. And that's what we're talking about. This fruit in our life. And that's the point of our story is to live a fruitful life. But I also want to say this. Fruit is not just found at a destination in your life, but it's produced along the way. It's produced along the way. Where, where are my people that love a road trip? Come on. Yes, I love road trips. All right, uh, where are the people that like, you're not stopping for nobody? Pee in a bottle, <laughs> hold it. Yes, we are on a time limit here. We're, we gotta get there. Okay. Yes. All right. I know. Uh, where are the Lipinski kids at? There's a couple. That's yeah. Pastor John is one of those kind of people. I've been on a road trip with him. He's very much just get there. Right. Uh, also, uh, our oldest daughter, Maddie, is uh, also one of those kind of people. She went on a road trip recently. We got a picture. Uh, look at how much fun she's having. Look at those beautiful smiles. They had so much fun. It was awesome. Go ahead and zoom in, Jake. Yeah. So, um, 
So, yep. So, uh, so Maddie was on a road trip and uh, got a ticket. I'm not going to tell you how fast she was going. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she got a ticket. I don't think she's going to be smiling that big when she gets her insurance bill next month. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. But that's, uh, that's Maddie. All right, where are my people that love a road trip but love to just take your sweet time? Yes. You'll stop at every ball of yarn, <laughs> ball of wax. If you're headed to uh, Amarillo, you've probably been to the Cadillac Ranch. Yeah, okay, well, that's me as well. I love a road trip, and I love to take my time on a road trip. Uh, growing up, <laughs> before I was actually in, had even gotten to high school, I had traveled all over the place with my grandparents in the back of a baby blue Caprice classic. Looked a lot like this one. Um, and by the time I was in high school, I'd been to 48 of 50 states. I'd never been to Alaska or Hawaii, but I'd been everywhere else. And the majority of them on a road trip. And so I love road trips. And my two favorite things about road trips, my, mine personally, number one is historical sites, like historical markers on the side of the road. I love that. I also love cemeteries. I know that's weird, but like old cemeteries. Oh, that's so cool. I know that's weird, but historical markers, that's not in the notes. So just forget I said that. Um, so historical mark, I will like pass a historical marker and be like, oh, oh hang on. I got to find a way to get back because I, I need to know what happened here 150 years ago when Sally went through on the wagon train. I don't know, but I just, I need to know, you know? So, so I do that. And then the other thing I love is roadside fruit stands. Yes, I love roadside fruit stands. I will stop at every one. I got to see the farmer's produce. Like, are your tomatoes better? Is his tomatoes better? I don't know, but I need to know. But like in the, in the Midwest, you know, the tomatoes are the best because that's like where you get tomatoes. So we'd, we'd stop for really good tomatoes through the Midwest or maybe in Georgia, you got to go get their peaches. You know, those peaches are awesome. Or, or like down in the way down South, you get boiled peanuts. Anybody ever had boiled peanuts? Yeah, or as Jordan would say, bold peanuts, you know, the southern draw. But I, yeah, I, I love roadside fruit stands, and I love these historical markers. So I guess if, if you could, like, take my two favorite things, it'd be like a historical fruit stand, you know? Or as John fifteen sixteen puts it, fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. Last, because that's exactly what God intends for the story of our life, is to produce a fruit that will be remembered. But in order for God to produce this fruit that lasts in our life, so often he deploys this thing called pruning in our lives, doesn't he? Yeah. It can be a painful process that he walks us through. John 15, verse one and two, he says this, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This passage shows the relationship between God and Jesus, Jesus being the true vine and God being the gardener, or, or some translations say the vine dresser. And the vine dresser's job on these, these vines would just be very simply to do whatever is necessary to increase the fruitfulness of the vine. Whatever is necessary. 
It talks about vines that bear no, no fruit, right? These, these branches that bear no fruit, these branches would, would never have been fully connected to Jesus being the true vine. And so they're taken away because they don't produce fruit. That Greek word there uh, for he cuts off is this word "ario." And there's actually two translations. There's two different translations here. There's two different meanings. "Ario" means to take away. So the, the vine dresser would cut off to allow the branches around it to be more fruitful, the ones that are producing fruit. And, and, and that makes sense. Why would we want to waste that nutrient going through a, a branch that's not going to produce fruit? But there's another, another meaning to this verb, and, and it just interesting. It, it's, it also means to lift up. It means to lift up. And, and I can see a loving vine dresser seeing that there are branches that aren't producing fruit, reaching down and lifting those up so that they're closer to the sunlight. Maybe so that there's more ventilation that goes around them and they can get more air and they can produce more fruit. And so which is the correct translation? Which is the correct meaning? Well, I don't really know. It's one of those mysteries of God, right? But I can see God's character in both. I can see through God's holiness that he would want to cut off a branch that was never fully connected so that other branches would produce fruit. But I can also see through God's grace and mercy and love and forgiveness that he would bend over and lift that vine up so that it would live the fruitful life that it was intended to live. But regardless, the vine dresser's job is simply to do whatever it takes for fruit bearing, whatever it takes. And even the branches that are bearing fruit <laughs> go through pruning. This doesn't seem fair, but that's what he does. And it hurts, right? Because you're following God. You begin to see this fruit of, of what you're doing and, and the fruit of your life. You're attached to the vine. You're obeying God. And here he comes with the pruner's knife. Mm. Friends, the pruning in our life is an act of love. I know that doesn't make sense sometimes. I know that it doesn't feel right. But our spiritual lives are often in need of pruning by a loving father who may re remove all the unneeded things that we have in our life for the sole purpose of making you more fruitful for him. Mm. So what does this pruning look like? <laughs> it can look like a lot of things, but so often spiritual pruning can look like sickness. God can use sickness. He can use unexpected sickness. He, he can use things to, to, to really turn you Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you need to fully rely on him. And he can use a, a, a period of sickness, a season of sickness, or a season of hardships in your life. He can use hardships. He can use a loss of material possessions. Maybe he can use uh, persecution or, or slander by another Christian or, or, or maybe even a family member. He can use losing a job to prune you. or Maybe even losing a loved one to prune you. And I know we get in these seasons of our life where God is pruning and we say things like, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? And we begin to question and, and maybe pity and, and maybe complain. We say things like, don't you see everybody else that needs to be pruned? Why are you picking on me? Why do I have all the problems? But friends, in all cases, we are pruned by a loving God whose purpose is for us to produce more fruit. 
If you're being pruned today, <laughs> get ready to produce some fruit. If you're being pruned today, get ready to produce some fruit. It may feel like you are, come on, we can give God praise for that. It may feel like you are a million miles away from a fruitful life in Jesus Christ. But I want you to know this. A season of pruning always precedes a season of growth. Sometimes it hurts, but God is the vine dresser and he knows what he's doing. And he's doing this for the purpose of our life, which is to be more fruitful. Amen? Amen. Point number three is this. The fruit in our life has eternal purpose has eternal purpose. John 15, 16, he says this, I chose, cho- cho- chose you, I chose you, <laughs> starting to sound like Jordan, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Friends, the fruit in our story has eternal purpose. And here's the truth is that when we realize that the fruit in our story has an eternal purpose and when we realize that fruit isn't just at a destination at the end of our story. It's not just fruit at the end of where God's calling us to, but we begin to realize that our fruit (laughs) is so often as we walk (laughs) through this thing called life, through these opportunities in our life. And when we realize that fruit is produced along the way, we realize that every encounter, every conversation, every chance meeting, Every coincidence (laughs) can be used and is being used to produce fruit in your life because fruit is produced along the way. It's kind of like on a road trip. We talked about a road trip, right? If you're on a road trip and you're driving 87 miles uh, an hour like Maddie was, um, (laughs) in a 70, But if you're going that fast and you're just, you're following the bumper behind you, you you could wind up in trouble, right? And so that's why as you learn to drive, you you look at the horizon. And sometimes on a straight road, you can see as many as 90 seconds down the road. Can you imagine all the trouble you'd stay out of if you just looked down the road? But imagine all the opportunities that we miss when we're not viewing down the horizon. In our spiritual lives, it's the same way. If we're connected to the vine, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, he's going to be nudging us, directing us, and putting lots of people in our path for fruit-bearing opportunities in our life. So ask yourself this, who does God want to intersect my storyline with? Who does God want to intersect your storyline with? We'll never know if we have our eyes down, will we? (laughs) We're going to miss it. If we're just focused on getting to to the destination We're not going to see these little opportunities to produce fruit along our story. And let's face it, for the last couple years with COVID and everything, regardless, I'm not going to make a political statement, so don't shoot me. Regardless of how you feel about the masks, whether they worked or they didn't work, I don't care about that. What I do care about, one thing I do know that it it impeded was smiles. And you know what? We've spent the better part of a year, year and a half, two years avoiding people. And regardless of whether we had to do it or not, imagine the cumulative effect that that had on the kingdom of God. Imagine the cumulative effect. Here's the thing. When, when, when I, COVID first started, I, I noticed 
uh, I smile a lot. I, I'll walk by somebody in, in fries and I might not know you. I'll be like, hey, you know, I'll smile. I just smile. But I realized that once I had the mask on, I, I'd start smiling at people and I'd feel stupid. I'm like, they don't know that I'm smiling. Now I'm smiling at myself. Like, what is this about? This feels dumb. And so I stopped smiling through the mask. And you know what I've realized? I don't smile as much now. I don't smile as much now. And so regardless of how you feel on that, I really feel like we have this opportunity to be more aware of our surroundings. We need to live our life intending to be interrupted. Not just being willing to be interrupted, but intending to be interrupted. Looking for interruptions that God may be putting in our path. A few months back, Pastor John and Cindy went on a road trip of their own. They went up to Lynx Lake in Prescott, beautiful spot, and they were just taking some time off, just relaxing, just the two of them. And they were walking around the lake, and Pastor John noticed this couple that was sitting across the way, and they had their computers out, their laptops, and they had CCV stickers on the back of them. And so uh, he walked over to thank them because, you see, we're a part of uh, the More Than Us churches. And CCV took up a big offering at the end of the year, a couple years back. And uh, some of you may know that we actually got $100,000 from CCV to help uh, plant this church. Yeah, come on. Uh, Yeah. And uh, us and along with like 23 or 25 other churches. And so we we were saying thank you. Uh, Pastor John was saying thank you for like, you know, being a part of CCV because you helped, uh, you know, be, be a part of what. God is doing at the gathering. And uh, they said, well, yeah, we go to CCV. We're on the road most of the time. We watch online and we're connected through CCV. Um, but we're, we're, typically we work on the road and so we're not home. But it just so happened that that next Sunday, uh, he, they had told him we're going to be in town and uh, we'd love to come check out the gathering. And so he invited them. They sat right back there. I'll never forget them being here. And uh, we met them. And uh, so they, they, you know, that was kind of it. That's all we heard from them. Well, last week uh, we got an email <laughs> and they said, we've been watching what God is doing through the gathering. And, and we believe in you. We believe in Pastor John and the leadership. And they said, we just recently came into a large sum of money and we want to give $10,000 to your building fund. And so you, you just never know. I mean, if Pastor John and Cindy would have just had the eyes down and just, you know, and could you have even blamed them? I mean, they're just trying to get away, right? But they allowed themselves to be interrupted And that led to this blessing. And I wonder how many times God wants to interrupt our life. But too often we think of our life as like this fishing trip, this, this solo fishing is a solo sport. Okay. You just cast it out there. And when I was a little boy, I'd go fishing with my stepdad. And I think I only got invited like four or five times because I was not into fishing. I wanted to run around and swim and scare all the fish away. Right. And so, so he's, he's just trying to catch some fish and inevitably I'd have my little pole and he'd be, you know, out there and I'd, and I cast my line over his. <laughs> Ever had that happen to you? That's so frustrating. But yet that's how we think in our spiritual lives. We're just sitting there fishing. We got this one cast. We got this one line out there. And all of a sudden God casts another line across us. And do we see that as an interruption? Or do we see that as an opportunity to pour into somebody's life? How are we going to respond in those interruptions in our life? Will we see it as an opportunity for fruit bearing <laughs> in our storyline or maybe the storyline of another person? Are we going to respond with self or are we going to respond with spirit? Galatians 5.22 says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Goes on to say that those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who are attached to the true vine, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, won't respond with self. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He's saying, allow ourselves to be interruptible and respond with the Spirit. So what does it mean to to, to respond to the Spirit? You guys can help me out up here, Gavin. Um, What does it mean to respond to the Spirit? Imagine, if you would, if we're, we're truly connected to the vine and we begin to see people in love through the eyes of Jesus. Imagine if, if our joy and our peace is a calming presence in the life of others. Imagine if, if we use patience to listen to others and respine, respond in kindness with our words. What if we found a way to show God's goodness and his faithfulness by sticking to our word and following through? We respond to conflict in our life. What if we responded with gentleness and with self-control? How many more people could find and follow Jesus? How many more people would be brought into the kingdom of God if we responded in spirit and not in self? We just follow Jesus' example. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. John chapter four cared for the least of these. She, she in that culture, was a, was a woman. She, her ethnicity, she was a Samaritan woman. And she had a history, a bad history with men. She had a rough, she had a rough go of it, guys. But Jesus cared for her. And you know what happened? Because he allowed his story to be intersected bunch of people, a bunch of Samaritans came to know Jesus that day. Or the woman caught in adultery, you know, the law said stoner. (laughs) But Jesus said, hold up. You without sin, go ahead and cast that first stone. He showed compassion, grace, and mercy. He healed the leper. He cared for the sick. He healed the paralytics, those who couldn't care for themselves. And we know he laid his life down for you and for me. And there's no greater love Can we follow his example, friends? But see, here's the lie. The enemy, because you're sitting there thinking, okay, I can can do that. But there's a lie in your head and the enemy's going, yeah, but you have plenty of time to do that. Don't rush, don't get in a hurry. Just got plenty of time. You know, just that's there later. You're having a baby right now. (laughs) Just that's not a good time. You, you, you just started that new job. It's not a good time. Or you're transitioning into that new role or your kids are still in school. And so it's just not a good time to really focus on living the life, the fruitful life that God has for you. Or maybe you say, well, when I retire, you know, when I retire, when I retire, I'll live that life. But friends, I just want to tell you that James 4, 14 says this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You and I, we we are a mist that appears and then it's gone. So friends, the question is, how are we gonna spend our mist? Are we gonna spend it wisely or are we gonna waste our mist? Are we gonna get to the end of our mist and realize there's not a fruitful life at the end of that mist? 
And friends, I want to tell you, it's never too late to start living a fruitful life for Jesus Christ. It's never too late. John 15, 8 says that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's how we show ourselves to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, by the fruitful life that we live. Friends, when we remain in the true vine, we have access to this power and to the presence of God in our life. And we will produce fruit, fruit that lasts and that lasts into eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for Jesus, your words in John 15, that we can stay connected to you and we can live this fruitful life. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for producing that fruit in us. God, I pray that you would help us just stay connected to you, that you would help us, as James says, resist. God, I just pray that you would help us resist those false vines in our lives. And God, today I want to pray for specifically a group of people. If you've never made a decision to find and follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today. It's the best opportunity you could ever take. Maybe you're saying, man, I I get all this fruitful life stuff, but I'm not even connected to the vine and I'm tired of living a life apart from Jesus. I've never made that decision and I wanna make that decision today. I wanna make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand so that I know who I'm praying with? Slip it up boldly all across the room. Anybody wanna make that decision? We had three people make that decision in our first service today. Praise God. I see your hand. Anybody else, boldly slip it up. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. God, we thank you for those who have raised their hands to accept you today in this place. And if you raise your hand, just say a prayer like this. Just say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And today, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth to die for my sins so that I could spend eternity with you. Today, I'm gonna put my feet on a new path with you so that I can follow you through the rest of my life. You are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for souls in eternity. Heaven's going crazy right now, y'all. I don't know if you know that, but heaven is going crazy right now. So, hey, thank you all for being here. A couple of things. We've got our prayer team down here. If you need prayer for anything, anything in your life, come down here. You can pray with our prayer team. As you leave, don't forget, we've got snow cones and we've got a gaming truck for the kids, not for the moms and dads. And then, hey, this week, walk in the spirit and be willing to be interrupted for God. Amen. All right. We'll see you next week for week three of Storyline. Love you guys. Have a great week.